This is a young team. We're on the cusp. They're hungry to get better. Pierce running right, spin move, barrels his way down to the 41-yard line. What a run by Pierce. These are the type of guys, the type of men that we want in our locker room. Intercepted, Christian Harris. Game day is every day. Love the energy. Picked off by Stingley. <laughs> Petrie, Texans have the ball on the pick. And if you want it, you got to go work. Now it's Texans All Access. Yep, yep. Welcome in, everybody. John Harris, your host, football analyst, the reporter for your Houston Texans. And we have got a lot we have to cover. Um, these are probably two days I think people look – that's the right way of saying this. They look forward to it, and yet, you know, when you're in the building and you see guys being told, hey, man, the dream is over, or it's delayed, or in some cases, you know, the career's over, um, it's a tough couple of days. There have been some uh, cuts, releases, waves, uh, players waved uh, going on, and it will continue tomorrow at 3 o'clock Central Time. So 3 o'clock our time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time. Texans have to be at a 53-man roster. Now, the words that I try not to use are final, set in stone. It's always a very fluid process because then the waiver claims come the next couple of days. Trades are made. If you remember 2019, 2019 was nuts. It's like, hey, man, we got a 53-man roster. Oh, but we're not done. Clowney got traded, so you brought back Jacob Martin, and Laramie Tunsil was traded for, so he comes in, and Carlos Hyde got traded for uh, an offensive lineman. So, yeah, there were a lot of things going on, so a lot of things can still happen with this squad. So I never used the words final, um, set in stone, any of that as it pertains to the 53-man roster. Uh, what did Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee once say? Be like water. That's the 53-man roster. It's like water. It just takes on the shape as things go. As guys are released, guys are cut, guys are added, guys are traded for. So Texans sit number two on the priority waiver wire. So if they put in some claims on, claims on a few players, a couple, three, five, eight, I don't know, they be a, a, a ton they're going to go to the 53-man roster, and the only team that has to say no to a waiver claim is the Bears. Texans say yes, then they're going to claim that player like they did with Cam Danzler. So keep an eye on all of that. Now, a little bit later in the show, Mark and I will discuss what has been out there, the sources. The Texans haven't officially let anybody go. Nothing uh, hit the NFL transaction wire officially today, but – they're obviously a social media, and there are a lot of sources that are out there. Um, and in some cases, the players, one in particular who said thank you to Houston, um, which was probably a surprising cut for, for many, many people. So we'll get to that in the second segment. And there's only one reason that we would discuss that in the second segment on an important couple of days. Well, it's because we have the head coach himself, D'Amico Ryans, who jumped into studio with Mark and myself. And we always have a good time talking to D'Amico and well, at some point, I brought up the game Tetris. Let's hear from D'Amico and myself and Mark. Let's go. All right, Coach, before we get into what is to come, let's talk about the game against the New Orleans Saints. The week of prep, you liked the way it went, and you must have liked the way the game went as well because results showed in the work you put in during the week. Really liked the, the way our guys worked this week. Probably our best week of practice that we've had throughout training camp. We had a really tough, grueling practice on Thursday, and guys – fought through it, they pushed mm-hmm. through it, and I felt like that made us better. We got a little tougher, we were better, and it showed that on the game on Sunday night, it really showed that God, the things that we 
emphasized throughout the week when it comes to being more physical with our backs, O-line, like running off the ball. And it showed defensively, like the run game, setting the edges, swarming, right, on the outside, seeing our corner step up and tackle. So all the things that we emphasize just show it up. And I'm happy that guys are able to see, like, when you put the work in, right, you can enjoy <laughs> the results. <laughs> the, the results. You can yeah. enjoy it, right, but you got to put the work in. Coach, I don't want to use the word regret, but was there any point during the week where you're like, well, I wish we would have gone and gone against New Orleans, or, boy, you know what, we made the right decision to stay here? Yeah, I, as the week continued to go along, I was like, we, this was the right decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was the right decision for us and our team and where we were. Guys yeah. were able to you know, recover. Guys were able to get the proper rehab with our the way our setup is here. I think it was uh, – Looking back, it was the right decision yeah. for our team. You got to like the formula of both touchdown drives occurring with the drive start in the opposing team's territory, right? <laughs> the punt return by Tank setting up one, and the sack giving you the ball in Saints territory. Both those drives were like that. Oh yeah, that's how we play complimentary football, and that's how you win games, right? Mm-hmm. We have to set the offense up defensively and special teams. We have to set the offense up to score, and we can get the ball right in, in the plus territory. We feel like that's automatic points for us. Coach, the the first drive, they get a couple of first downs. I think it was a second and five. And Jalen went screaming off the edge at some point and stopped the, stopped the run for no gain or a loss or whatever it was, and you get off the field on the next down. And we've talked about this a lot. Last year, Jalen made a lot of tackles, and everybody got kind of worried, like, oh, man, a safety's making a lot of tackles. But you need the safety to be involved in the run defense in some sense. And it felt like that was kind of the play. Is that what you expect from Jalen when it comes to run defense to make those kind of plays this year? When you see Jalen, man, he's such an active player. Like yeah. he's, he's, his instincts are off the charts. So for me, is and how many positions, where can I put him? He really has no position. It's yeah. safety if he needs to be down. He's linebacker. He's Nick. He's all over the place because he's just a, he's a playmaker. And so playmakers – Need to show up around the ball. So wherever the ball is, that's where I want yeah. Jalen Petrie because he can he gonna make some big plays for us. Yeah. Damian Pierce on the touchdown pass looked like he had a nice little pass pro moment. Yeah. And he also had the nice run to get you down in the goal to go with the thirteen yarder and punishing the uh, defender. What kind of effect does he have on the team? I mean, is that energy noticed by everybody? I guess that's a loaded question. <laughs> well, for sure. Well, first, it was great to see Damon in pass protection, being able to pick up the defensive lineman. That's always a tough, you know, tough ass there of him picking up uh, pressure or whoever it may be that popped through, right? So it was really good to see him do that. The way he runs the ball, right, it's a physical style of play that I want our entire team, right, to take on. So what does it do for the team it's just it lifts everyone's spirit. That's why I want the defense up watching the offense go to work because when he's running the ball in a physical manner, that gets the defense excited. Right? And we're all going to play physical brand of football. So uh, I love what Damon is doing, right? And I love the game that he had this uh, this past Sunday. You know, it's just very encouraging, uplifting for the entire team when we can run the ball and impose our will. Right, That's what we want to do, impose our will on our opponent. And it starts with running the ball, and then it starts with swarming defense. Coach, one thing I can't help but notice, when either side is on the field, the involvement of every player that's not in the game with what's going on. Guys aren't over there, you know, chewing sunflower seeds and not paying attention. They're in the ball game. They're celebrating for their teammates. I would imagine that's what you want to see, whether it's 90-man roster, 53-man roster, 46 on game day, or whatever it is. 
Is that a tenet of what you want your your teams to be, you being the head coach? That's a togetherness that we've got to have to be successful? No doubt about it. That's exactly what it should look like. And, you know, that was my message to our veteran guys who knew they would only be playing, right, a set amount of snaps. But a lot of teams in preseason, they, they tune out, right? right? They go to mm. the side. They don't even watch what's going on. But how important is this game, right, for all the guys – the younger guys who are still out there battling for roster spots, right. it's, it's just as important for them. So they need to know that you're invested with them because it is a team first, right, mentality. Right? And we, for us to be a great team, we got to care about each other. No matter where you are on the roster, we're all a team. And that's the type of team, that's what I want to see on the sidelines. It's just guys who truly are enthusiastic when, they're, when their brother makes a play. That's what I want to see, yep. right, because we know – how much work goes into making those plays and how hard it is to make a play in this league. So I just want guys just supporting each other. And it's got to be helpful on the road, too, where you are all you have, the togetherness, mm-hmm. because Baltimore, less than two weeks now, Coach, you're going to be up there, and it's going to be the Texans against the world, against the Ravens. <laughs> exactly, and that's, that's the type of approach we got to take. It's us against the world. Like mm-hmm. We're all we have when we go on the road. Right? And we know Baltimore is going to be a very you know, difficult place to play in. So all we have is each other, but the game of football doesn't change no matter where you are. Right, You play the game the right way. We run the ball, we play great defense, and we take advantage of the explosive opportunities when we get them. Right? Anybody can be beat. Coach, the football season's an interesting beast in some sense. There's all these different modes. You're in OTA offseason mode. Then you're in training camp mode, and then you get into the most important one at this point, other than playoff mode. You get in the regular season mode. What's kind of the biggest thing that you, the staff, the players, going from preseason mode now into game mode, what's kind of the biggest thing that changes for everybody that moves forward to get into regular season mode and kind of snap into it that, hey, we play on Sunday? Yeah, the biggest the biggest shift, I think, is, is the preparation right that goes into it. That's why... I kind of enjoyed being here this past week instead of going to New Orleans because we were able to get a, a mock in-game yeah, schedule. Yeah. So that that preparation just changes completely. We're not going against each other. Right? Now it's truly like, man, how can we make sure we make these scout cars look exactly how the Ravens run them, right? Make sure our guys are on it so they know what to do. So when they whenever whatever presents itself on game day, right, come Sunday against the Ravens, our guys have seen it. They know what to do. They know how to react. So it's just a matter of mentally getting our guys as sharp as possible so they can play fast. All right, you began your coaching career. We still had the four preseason games, still had one. We would have one coming up on Thursday night this week, <laughs> right. right? Instead, we have the season huh. premiere. We can get into that. But dueling pianos, by the way, as Hannah McNair told us yes. on the season premiere evening. But you would have had a game, and I know that a lot of teams divide the team up a little bit. The starters who aren't going to play in that game would be preparing for the opener but you'd still have that extra contest. How have things changed without having any game this Thursday and you want to keep the team fresh? It's changed from that regard to where, you know, you're still trying to finalize the roster so you don't have as many guys, but you still want to be able to get, you know, extra work on your opponents. So we still want to go into this week and kind of get a head start on Baltimore with limited amount of guys. Right? So we'll, we'll go, go about it that way. And you don't have to deal with the extra the extra game. That's why this last game was important for me to let everybody, as many guys as possible, play mm-hmm. because I know it's going to be, you know, two-week stretch of not playing football. So we just wanted – it was important for me to just get another, right, dress rehearsal in so when Baltimore comes, we're ready to go. 
Coach, did you ever play Tetris growing up? I did play a lot of Tetris. So when you played a lot, <laughs> so when you played a lot, when you stopped playing it, did you start seeing the puzzle pieces kind of fall <laughs> into place? Like, did you did? Yeah. Are you, do you kind of feel that way about the roster? Like you think about it so often that as you're driving, you kind of see the pieces start to fall in place of this guy going here and kind of that guy. It's almost like a, a, a football game of Tetris in some sense. Oh, yeah. It starts off real slow. Right. Right. And now, right. And now they, you're like, wait a second. Now they're flying yeah. in. But are you kind of going through those machinations in your yeah. mind? You're driving, you're going to the store or whatever, and you're just kind of seeing all those different, you know, combinations of players that might make the 53? No doubt. It's, it's always on my mind. It's game Every of Tetris. Driving, game of Tetris. And now it's starting to kind of get finalized here. Yeah. Right? I feel mm -hmm. good with where we are. And it's, uh, it's always – a matter of how can we try to improve the roster as well. You know, you, we have the guys we have on our team, but it's about our scouting staff looking out at other rosters and trying to predict, okay, is there someone else that can upgrade our team? So it's a collective approach that, you know, I'm really proud of our staff and how we put this thing together. All right, so put the former player hat on for a moment. How weird was it as a rookie when you come in, 90 guys in the building, and then wham, you see guys get cut. A large number of players. And it was different back then with the practice squad size. So what was that like for you as a rookie to watch that? And how does it affect how you approach things today as a head coach? Yeah, it was it was shocking, you know, for me as a rookie because it was it's like you know, you know these cut down days are coming, but there's always for me, and it's in my experience, there was always like the surprise, like veterans, like oh no, they mm, they, they cut him, and that's yeah. the one that yeah. that always got me. Like yep. my first, and it happened probably like my first two or three years in the league, and it's kind of you start to kind of expect it, like this. I guess that's a trend, and that's what happens, but it's. Uh, it's really it's always hard. We know you have all these guys you can you're connected to great teammates and then they're just they're gone. Guys you're used mm -hmm. to talking to every day. You're gonna see them every day in the locker room and meeting room and now, you know, they may be on another team or they may be out of the league. So it's it's hard to kinda stay connected to guys. So as I become a head coach, I just understand, you know, how difficult these few days are. And not only for the guys you having to release, but also for the other guy, the 53 guys who may be in a locker room, like they're losing some good friends and guys who they've been battling with over the past, you know, four or five months. Right? And that's hard. It's hard on the guys in the locker room. Guys kind of, you forget that, but me being a former player, I understand mm -hmm. the toll that it takes on the guys that we have here as well. Coach, one of the things you said, and I can't remember if you said it at presser, you and I were talking about it, I, I can't remember, but I've never heard a coach say this. And you talked about we got a 90-man roster. I want all 90 men to be in the NFL no matter what. Yeah. And I, I heard that. And I was like, I know probably some coaches, may, you know, they may not say it out loud. You said it out loud, and I just was like, whoa, wow, that's, that's wild. Because we do talk about it. Mark and I talk mm -hmm. about, well, you know, this guy could go somewhere else. He could go get a job elsewhere. But the fact that you wanted, you know, 90 men to have a job in the NFL, whether it's with us or, or somebody else, I just thought that was a, a really interesting – comment but also speaks to the personal you know uh touch that you kind of have with the players where does that for you sort of sort of come from that you're like you know what yes i want the texans to do well my job is to get the texans some wins but you know what these guys are busting their butt for me i want to see them do well as well and that's the main part about it for me is that i, I care about all these guys i'm invested in i care about these guys i know these guys are they're trying to feed their families and take you know take care of themselves so it's important to me like 
that's why I pushed the. I told the guys this on Saturday night. That's why I pushed the guys as hard as I push them because I know if you work the way I'm asking you to work, that travels to any team, right? right? And you'll stick out like a sore thumb on any team because everyone doesn't work that way. So if you just take the the, the things that I'm trying to instill in these guys, they take that somewhere else, they will make the NFL, right, because they put the work in and they're willing to do that hard work. So I, I just care about all these guys. I know how hard it is to make it in the NFL, but the opportunity is there. There are a lot of – with the practice squads being expanded to 16, right, there's a lot of opportunity for guys to make a roster. The game against the Saints seemed like a good coaching staff game. And it was your third game together as a staff in the preseason. But I'm out there at the end thinking, all right, Cam Dantzler is making a nice play for you at the end of the game. You got E.J. Perry playing quarterback, handing off to Larry Roundtree. <laughs> who were these guys in late July, right? We knew right. about some of them. But that's pretty interesting that they were able to come in and assimilate quickly. And it's got to be a credit to the staff. For sure. Our staff has done an outstanding job. Like three guys you mentioned, I think they all came – uh, Dantzler came, I think, just this week. Mm-hmm. And EJ came a couple weeks ago. All right, it's, it's Larry came two weeks ago. So it's just cool to see when those guys go out there and play, they know what to do. They know how to do it, and they just fit right in. And that all goes to right the coaches who have to spend, which no one talks about, where you have, we have our set meeting time with the guys. But when you get new guys in, we have coaches who are meeting at, call it 6 a.m., Right, with guys trying to get the early meetings or they're staying later watching more film with guys, just trying to make sure they're caught up to speed as quickly as possible so they can go out and perform. So credit to all of our coaches. They did an outstanding job this week. All right, Coach, we can finally talk about Baltimore for real. I mean, I know <laughs> I understand the, the roster machinations, everything that's going to happen over the next couple of days, but your staff getting ready for Baltimore I mean, is it full bore right now? And even before that, I know you're probably working on Baltimore a little bit. Is it full bore all in two weeks looking for the Ravens on Sunday, next Sunday? Yeah, we're all in, right? We put the, the Saints game to bed last night, and I told our staff, right, we're on to Baltimore, and let's get going. Let's get a head start this week with the days we have to work. And you know, as much as we can, right, our full focus is on Baltimore. All right, we'll probably ask you this in greater detail later, but Lamar Jackson, it's hard to impersonate him for a scout team, right? And the different things he can bring to the table because you might think you have everything bottled up, then whoop, he runs and it's Katie bar the door. So how do you handle that practice-wise? Well, we try to tell whoever that quarterback may be who's simulating, <laughs> you know, Lamar Jackson. I don't think we have be anybody Lamar. that can do that. <laughs> but it's just being able to, we know, you know, the athlete that Lamar is being with the zone reads, we got to have a great look on those. And also just when things break down, we got to have a couple plays where our defense is aware when he does scramble, right? What do we need to do? Right. Where am I? Where am I? Where are my eyes when he does scramble? So we have to get good attention to detail when it comes to that. Coach, I don't know if you were aware of this, but last night, you did name C.J. Stroud the starter for Baltimore. What? Oh, yes. What? I, I, what? I mean, yeah. Somebody asked that? Yeah. Surprising. <laughs> exactly. I don't know how we got this far in a conversation without talking about no. this. But in all seriousness, as a young guy growing each time he goes out on the field, although it was interesting that his first game against New England, he's 2 of 4 for 13 yards. Yesterday, he's 2 of 4 for 16, and they felt completely different. <laughs> yeah. You know, only three yards difference. But the decision to go with C.J. and be your guy we talked about it a little bit. We want to expand on that. What is the growth that you've seen in CJ since you've been around him, since he's been drafted? I mean, the growth is just starts from his first day, right, of 
just getting in the huddle, getting play calls, right? You got to remember, it's college kid who comes from – look to the sideline. Yeah. Right? They hold up a sign and you run the play. A picture like, of something. Yeah, and they just go. So it's yeah. a whole new process, right, for these kids when it comes to offensive football in the NFL, huddling up, calling plays, long play calls. Coach Sloick, all right? It's long yeah. play calls. So it's a lot that goes into yeah. it. So how can you command the huddle first and to yeah. see him grow – in that regard of just commanding the huddle, commanding the play calls, and just his play, right? Once he frees up from that, now he's able to showcase his talent, and that's throwing the ball at all the levels of the football. Wherever he wants to put the ball, the kid can put the ball. The ball placement is, is I mean, it's eye-opening to, yeah. to see where he can place the football and just to see him continue to gain the command, gain the respect from his teammates. One of the most important factors for me is just when the teammates, when they, they look at him, they know, okay, I believe in this guy. I know he can help us win games. All right, Amogee Bank, ask coach question of the week. I got a good one for you. Uh-oh. All right, so Micah is of the age where he can be a professional athlete, <laughs> but it can only be in the NBA or Major League Baseball. Oh. He has those two options, <laughs> and you get to pick. So what sport <laughs> should he be a pro athlete sure in? He oh. loves that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, he's asking for was, your advice. Yeah, this is in the future. I would, I would say basketball. Yeah. Fewer games. I can make all those games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about the spectating. <laughs> 162 is a long season, yeah, that's, man. Yeah, that is you talk to people in Major League Baseball, and they're like, yeah, it's, just, it's still on. Yeah. It's a grind. Yeah, it's it is a grind. So go through three different basketball. seasons. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll address football another time. Coach, thanks a lot. Good luck. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I appreciate Coach for stopping by. It's always such a blast talking with Coach, and he's got such great perspective uh, when he talks to the team, when he, he jumps on with us. Uh, he's he's a gem, man, and uh, he's ours, and that's uh, what's fantastic about that. Also ours is Mark Vandermeer, and we are going to get together in the next segment. We're going to talk about these releases, cuts, waves, they're, they're different delineations, but essentially you're cutting to get down to the 53-man roster. A couple surprises, I think, to some people, even to us. We'll talk about those next right here on Texans All Access. Stay tuned for more on the Houston Texans and the NFL on Texans All Access. We return to Texans All Access. Yes, sir, we return right here. Uh, John Harris, alongside the voice of the Texans. I realize this is Mark called me today. I actually have him in my phone, not just as Mark or Vandy. I have him as Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans, as if I would forget. What? Who's Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans? Yeah, that's how I have you in my phone, the voice, the voice of the Texans. I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know why. I could have just put Mark and I would know it's you. But, um, yeah, so apparently if I ever forget, I'm reminded that you are the voice of the Texans, which I'm sure is not a shock to you any, anyway because you're in year 22. 22? Wow. Yeah, 22 yeah. of being the voice of the Texans. I started when I was 10 years old, Johnny. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been going at it for a while now, along with Andre. And you're, you're in your 10th year right now, and that's flown by. So here we are, and it's always a joy. This time, I heard you talking about what this time of year is like with the cuts because we get excited about the 53 at the start of the regular season. You and I see these guys every day. 
So it's not like we're in the meetings with them, but we're around them. You see them in the dining room. You see them in the hallways. You say some things. It's been all offseason with these guys. They're throwing the medicine balls against the cinder block walls in the offseason, working out, and you get to know them. We interview a ton of guys around minicamp. You get to know them a little bit in a professional sense. And Desmond King, for instance, and Des tweeted out a couple of hours ago, thank you, Houston, Desmond King, we like Des. You know, he's a Detroit guy. I had a lot of fun with that and him and when Tremont Smith was here and Tavier and just the guys and their camaraderie. And it's a shame to see him go. But, look, it's a business. And I heard other people talking about this particular move. And I want to get your thoughts on it because I think other than Christian Kirksey, this is the biggest one so far unless I missed something in the last hour or two. But let's yeah. talk about them all. But I want to get your thoughts on this. What people don't see is what the coaches have, endless amounts of practice tape and how they fit in to what they're trying to do now. Plus, and I'm not saying this applies to Dez because I got a feeling Dez is going to be working in this league. But with some players, it might be the end of the line. And I'm not saying that's the case for him. But there might be a drop-off diminishment in certain instances that you just don't really see unless you're the experts. And they're not always right either, but they see things that a lot of people don't see. They've got access to way more information than the people, you know, most of the media, virtually all the media, except for maybe you, Johnny, because you watch everything. So your thoughts on that one in particular and what might follow? Yeah, you said a word that I think a lot of people forget about, uh, Mark, oftentimes, and that's fit. And you watch for a little bit, and you're like, oh, yeah, that the, that fits. You know, you have a nickel. You play a guy at nickel, and, and away you go. But, you know, D'Amico's going to play his defense differently than Lovey, who plays his defense different than uh, Jim Schwartz, who plays it different than Sean McDermott, uh, even though they're all, I believe all four, all those guys are four-man surface teams. They're all going to play it differently. And what they ask their particular positions to do may be different from what they were asked to do uh, in the past, and especially that nickel or star position is and can be very, very different. You know, some teams want more of a, a linebacker safety hybrid. Some guy, some teams are going to want a you know more of a, a cover corner. You know, if they're going to play more man to man, if they're going to do things like that. Last year in San Francisco, that nickel was Jimmy Ward. They wanted to get uh, Talanoa Fonga on the field. And to be able to do that with the other safety, whose name escapes me, they had to put Ward at the nickel. And that was not something he wanted to do. He wanted to play safety. Um, But he did it. He knew he had to. But he also had corner cover skills. And so watching him cover last year in the slot, which is, I think, the most difficult place to cover, um, Jimmy was asked to do that. And so when I thought and I saw that from last year, and I thought about what they're going to want from this position. I thought, you know what? It might not be the right fit for maybe either Dez or Tav. Um, but you've got to have that position. That position has become so important, that nickel position. You do so much. I mean, look, Dez is a football player. I mean, that, that's we've said that from, from jump. He's just a baller. Is he a great cover guy? Is he a great this? Is he elite this? No, what he is is an elite football player. Now, there comes a point in a career where just being a really good football player sometimes doesn't fit, and it's time to move on. And, and I think you're right. I think this gives Des an opportunity, maybe ahead of the curve here, um, to maybe go find an opportunity that might be available to him at this particular point. But I think that 
I'll, I'll call it a position, Mark. I think that position is definitely worth watching because, okay, Tavier Thomas is there. Now, we'll see whether he's the right fit at that position because I think Tav and, and Dez are pretty similar in the way they play the game and, the, and what they bring to the game. So we'll see if that's the case. And if it's not either one of those two, then what are they going to do with that nickel position? Does it become really truly a cover position? And is it going to be something in which they want to play Cam Dantzler on the outside and put Nelson or Stingley on the inside and, and play it that way? I, I think that's really kind of where it is right now. What's the fit? And I think they probably looked at it and said, you know what? We've got guys that can return punts. I mean, look what Tank did last night. Um, we think we've got some athletic guys. You know, Kobe Francis is a young guy that could potentially be in that spot that they thought they were younger um, that would have an opportunity. Miko said many times, it's a young team. Um, not to say you can't have veterans on it, but, you know, if you're a young team, then you've got a guy with some upside, then you got to see what you have with him. So I was surprised and yet not. You and I talked about this, and you know my feelings about this. There is nothing, nothing in the NFL that surprises me at all. Nothing. Was it a little bit of a doghead turn to see it? Like, oh, okay. But not, not surprised in any way, shape, or form. I do think one that was a little bit surprising, Mark, just based on the way that he started camp was Roy Lopez. Your thoughts about Roy Lopez being waived, and it does look like there might be an injury settlement coming that he can then go find an opportunity somewhere else. It does look like he's going to be back in like two or three weeks. But Roy Lopez, your thoughts uh, about the interior defensive line position as well. You know, and it's similar to Dez, but in a different way because he was a rookie in 2021. And 2021, as we all know, was a very strange year coming out of COVID and then obviously the first year without the O'Brien effect because O'Brien was fired four games into the 2020 campaign. Romeo finishes it off. I know some guys stayed on staff, but that was a brand-new situation. Nick Casario comes in, David Cully, the coach, and a lot of the players, and remember, it was a lot of players they acquired, not just through the draft where they didn't have a pick until the third round, but all those free agents. And I liked a lot of those guys, and I felt like we were all in the foxhole together in some way. They would probably not see it that way with me, but (laughs) there was something about those players that I found endearing. And even though they didn't pick up pro bowlers at every position, they picked up a lot of good, solid guys who helped navigate through those rough waters. And Roy Lopez, you and I remember the first time we ever saw him in OTAs and how big he looked and, you know, he seemed like a good guy. And, you know, that that's where it gets kind of personal. And I know the fans feel an attachment. Roy's been great with us in the media department putting out great content. He did the Mardi Gras thing in Galveston. I'd love to see him back on this team somehow. But, Johnny, we talked about it this morning that the defensive tackle, the interior defensive line position is loaded with a lot of interesting possibilities here. And when you bring in Sheldon Rankins and Hassan Ridgeway and then certain other guys start to flash like Davis, Khalil Davis, who has been impossible not to notice during these preseason games with the six quarterback hits and the TFLs and everything else he's doing, it gets really hotly competitive. And when you're banged up, that makes it ridiculously difficult. We'll get to Kirksey in a moment. So I guess in that way, I'm not surprised. I'm eager to see what happens after you know he clears or doesn't clear waivers, however it all works with the waived injured designation that's been reported on Roy Lopez. But, you know, these, these sting – but you said it, you're not surprised about anything. And look, I've lived through a lot of different incarnations of this team. 
You know, the Dom Capers era still seems like yesterday to me, and D'Amico <laughs> Ryan's was part of the second era with the Kubiak situation. We heard yeah. it in the interview, him talking about being a rookie. So here we go again, but it's tough because, you know, Roy is a guy that we feel we know. I think the fans feel like they know him a little bit because he's been yeah. so public and helping out with the charitable efforts of the Texans and things like that. Well, another member of that 2021 defense, uh, and in fact last year as well, and I think I think Roy Lopez and Christian Kirk should kind of fall into the same category from this standpoint. They got hurt in camp, Christian earlier than Roy, but they got hurt in camp at a position that is extremely deep. And then not only is it deep, those players at linebacker and defensive line really played well. Khalil Davis and Byron Cowart and Kurt Heinisch, I thought last night in particular, were really, really good. And I think that was kind of the, the, the final, okay, we know what we've got with these three guys. They're healthy. We're going to, you know, Roy's not going to be ready to go for another two, three weeks. Uh, and we feel very confident with these three guys. Now, I don't know if all three are going to end up making it, but you know, your top line guys are Ridgeway, Rankins, and Malik. How deep do you go? Do you keep five? Do you keep six? So it's going to be interesting to continue to watch that position. But injury to Roy opened the door for Khalil Davis to get more time. Injury to Kirksey allowed Henry Toa Toa to get more time, uh, allowed Jake Hansen to get more time. And Christian Kirksey uh, also cut. He started 29 games the past two years, had 124 tackles. He was second on the team, third on the team behind Jayla Petrie and Jonathan Owens. Uh, He was the captain. He was the guy that kind of kept things going. And I'll say this, Mark, as it pertains to the guys you, you you just talked about, Des King, uh, Christian Kirksey, you know, Roy, they'll all kind of, they'll, they'll leave a mark for me in, in, a, in a positive way because we know the last few years have not been good, and those guys did everything possible to try and right the ship. And I would talk to people throughout the league, and they would say to me, hey, look, your defense plays hard. They play hard. They may not be the most talented group, but they play hard. Um, and, and that always, that matters to me. You know, guys went out there, they didn't just mail it in. Uh, you know, there was it was not a highly talented group. Those guys went out and they balled out uh, as best they possibly could. And there were games that the defense single-handedly kept the the offense and kept the team in the game. And Christian and Dez and Roy were a big, big part of that. But I think the Kirksey one, Mark, and I'll get your thoughts on this. I think the Kirksey one we kind of saw because we looked at a talent-level linebacker and went, okay, I think it might be ready for the new guard at linebacker. I think D-line with Roy, I think what's frustrating is that Roy was having a really good camp up until the point he got hurt. Yeah, and with Kirksey, Johnny, what is it, 29 starts in the last two years, and we talked about how difficult those two years were, and his leadership, the type of person he is, the type of man he is, I think they needed players like him. Plus, you know, last year we saw some guys – uh, I don't want to mention specific names, but a receiver and a linebacker maybe not mm-hmm. buy in as much as they probably could have after certain moves, especially a really big one, was made. I think that Kirksey's showing that, hey, I am a captain. I'm going to stay that way. I'm going to stay in charge of these men as much as I possibly can as a player. Uh, I thought he showed his his medal in that direction. And, look, I know it didn't always go so great on the field, but you're right. You couldn't fault the effort. Even in 2021, when they got blown out a few times, four or five massive blowouts, 
they were still playing hard. It wasn't for lack of effort. It was lack of other things. And last year, we talked about all the close games, and these guys were part of that, keeping things close. Can you get over the hump? No, you can't get over the hump. The offense was really struggling last year to make things happen, particularly in the fourth quarter when, in this league, that's when you got to make them happen. So uh, I liked having them here, and when I saw that report, yeah, I wasn't surprised either because of the injury situation and the depth at linebacker right now, the perceived depth and the fact that, hey, we're in nickel 70% of the time. You're going to play two linebackers anyway. I don't know what the final tally is going to be on the 53 man roster in that position group i don't know if you have to keep six linebackers right you know we talked about this when you were playing a three four sometimes you'd keep five defensive linemen and obviously of the practice squad possibilities but i think in this situation and i know you need linebackers for special teams but it wouldn't shock me if they kept five i would expect six but it wouldn't shock me if they kept five because i think they need to keep 10 dbs i think they need a 17 defensive linemen but obviously they're not going to be able to do that so yeah i felt that way about kirksey too and it's just one of those things now mason shrek uh nick vanette i saw a report on him mm-hmm. tight end is interesting here brevin jordan's yep. been nicked up you know quatoriano is going to be there obviously dalton schultz but it's going to be interesting at tight end yeah definitely and, and depending on how you classify dalton Keene and andrew beck kind of fullback tight end hybrids that's one worth keeping an eye on as well. I thought Dalton had a really good game last night. I thought his blocking was very, very good. I thought Quatoriano's blocking last night was extraordinary. That's what I saw of him at Oregon State back in 2021. That's the that's the Y inline blocker um, that I I thought the Texans were getting. And then last year he was banged up. You know he started this year banged up, but you know maybe he's starting to kind of find that groove. You know getting him involved in the passing game will be one thing, but. Um, as we know right now, according to sources, the players that the Texans have released or waived, and the designation matters as it pertains to time in the league versus not time in the league, you know, inexperience, I guess, in the league. Texans have let go, waived, cut following players. Christian Kirksey, rookie Tyler Beach, uh, undrafted free agent from Wisconsin. Darius Joyner, who had joined the team just recently, Mason Shrek, uh, as Mark had mentioned, also tight end Nick Vanette. That was one I just saw in the last half hour. Desmond King, Roy Lopez, mm-hmm. uh, Rashad Coward. I believe those are the ones that I've seen. Now, you can do the math, people listening. That's two, four, six, seven. That's, we're under 10 names. And 90 minus 53 is 37. So they still got some work to do um, and some decisions to make. I feel like. And I, I was kind of doing this math as we finished our show this morning, Texans Monday, which you need to listen to 8 to 10. Andy Kalu, uh, Andre Ware, John McClain, Joy Mark and I throughout the day. And I was thinking about it. I was doing the math. I was like, you know, I feel pretty good about probably 44, 45 of the 53. But those last seven to eight are going to be very, very interesting. So, obviously, we'll keep an eye on everything tonight and we'll discuss it uh, tomorrow night as well. But... I don't know that there – we'll see what else happens. None of this is official. None of this mm-hmm. has been made official today. That will be made official tomorrow, and it has to be official, uh, by 3 o'clock tomorrow. Mark, you think – and I guess surprise is the wrong word to use, but is there a position, probably more than any other, where there might be a surprise in your estimation for tomorrow's final cuts? Uh, without injuries coming into the equation, in other yeah. words, I don't know what's going to happen with Brevin Jordan. You know, does he go on IR, th- that kind of thing? Right. Because he's got to play, right? He's got to participate, uh, but he's got an injury. So we'll see how they handle that. 
um, at that tight end position group, man, I'd love to see him around. I mean, I want to see him yep. around. He, you know, you drafted him. You invested a lot of time into him. And I think he's got a lot of talent. But, you know, look, like I said, they have access to information we don't have. And they see things from a different scope sometimes. Because as much as media watches practice, I mean, come on. You know, <laughs> they have yeah. video of every single angle, all the analytics of what their bodies are doing during workouts, how they're performing. It's crazy the amount of data that they have on all these players. But to answer your question, Johnny, I think you know, surprises, I thought maybe the big ones are today, but I think and you and I can get into this tomorrow more, when you look at that secondary, are there guys on this roster who you did not think were going to have a chance, and maybe not you, but a lot of players, like does a Kobe Francis factor in big? Does a Graylin Arnold emerge as a guy who plays a big role in that secondary? I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Those kinds of questions are going to be answered soon enough, and I think if the answer is yes, that's a bit of a surprise based on where we started this thing back in OTAs. Maybe not to the coaches and Nick Casario, but maybe to a lot of outsiders looking in. No doubt. It's also happening in 31 other locations, and yet we still don't know what's happening with Jonathan Taylor. We'll discuss that and go around the NFL next right here on Texans All Access. Texans All Access continues in a moment. Texans Radio is back. Yes, it is. John Harris with you for the final few minutes here on Texans All Access. Glad to be with you as the preseason is over. Training camp over. Now, this week gets a little bit, uh, it's a little different because the players get Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. So, you got season premiere coming up this week. Uh, Obviously, They'll have a team meeting tomorrow at some point, and they'll sit around and they'll look at who's in the room, who's part of the roster, who's part of the practice squad. And as we've talked about with Nick Casario since he's been here, they look at the, the roster as 69, 53 plus a 16, and depending on what happens with Dio, um, because he's an international pathway player, that ends up being 70. So that's kind of the way that they end up looking at it. So some things happening already today. We've talked about the big ones, Roy Lopez, Desmond King, Christian Kirksey, you know, three major components of the 2021 defense. And also last year, um, they have been waived, let go, released, depending on the time of service in the league. So um, those have been the ones. Tight end, Mason Shrek, Nick Vanette, um, Darius Joyner, defensive back, uh, amongst others, Rashad Coward. So uh, it'll be fast and furious tomorrow. There's no question about that. Now, around the league, some other things are happening. The tank is fully on in Arizona. Colt McCoy. Waved, cut, released. That leaves the Cardinals with a quarterback depth chart of recently traded for Josh Dobbs. So literally two days ago. And University of Houston rookie quarterback Clayton Toon. Now, how would that be? Tank Dell tearing it up here with the Texans. Clayton Toon in Arizona. Wow. Now, could be Dobbs. We'll, we'll see how it ends up going. But the Cardinals make that move. The Patriots have been trading for offensive linemen. The Browns cut a kicker and then traded for a kicker. Um, there are all kinds of things happening in the NFL, and we still do not know where Jonathan Taylor will go. The rumor is the Colts running back is discussing things contractually with Miami Dolphins and another team, potentially two. This one is going to go apparently down to the wire, and the wire, I would think, is going to be the deadline tomorrow, 3 p.m. 
Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, because the Colts want to know, hey, are they getting a player back? If they get a player back, then they got to let one go. Are they going to get draft picks back? What's the compensation? All that kind of stuff. they got to know. So they set a deadline for Tuesday. We'll see if that indeed happens. Um, so Jonathan Taylor, where does he end up? Now, if he ends up in Miami, Christian Wilkins may or may not be there. Pro Bowl defensive tackle did not get a contract extension, and he was holding in. So when the Dolphins were here for their joint practices against the Texans, Wilkins participated in only certain things and then watched the rest from the sideline talk trash and was generally entertaining because that's what he is. So what happens with Christian Wilkins and the Dolphins? The Dolphins end up with Jonathan Taylor, and do they get Christian Wilkins to come back in some way, shape, or form even though contract talks have broken down. It is, man, th- this these cu- this these two days are so, there's like a high and a low aspect. I love all the transactions and following what's going on, but I hate it because I know that there are some guys, the football dream is ending, and in some cases it's, en- it's ending forever uh, for some of the guys that have spent their lives, lives looking to play in the NFL and wanting to play in the NFL. And then that dream is over, and there are 32 teams that are saying, you know what, man, we just, you know, it's over for you. That's tough. So I kind of like the I like the the highs of what's happening throughout the league, but I hate the lows for players that have now got to find another occupation. You know, someone will join me in the media. There's no doubt. Some will join in the coaching realm. Uh, so we'll see. But two exciting days, no doubt. And we'll get to that 53 man roster. It's fluid, be like water, uh, as Bruce Lee used to say. A big thanks to Chris Santiago back in studio. Chris, you rock. You know that, brother. You know that we love you and everything that you do. Mark Vandermeer. Appreciate D'Amico Ryans for being with us each and every Monday. Coach's show will be in a couple weeks. Uh, but we appreciate all you guys for listening. Thank you so much. We'll keep you updated right here on Sports Radio 610. So keep it locked. Odyssey app, HoustonTexas.com. Anything on the Texans app, we got you covered. Go check out my big game breakdown and my Harris hits. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody, right here on Sports Radio 610 with Texans All Access. See you then. And as always, go Texans.